Welcome to Wow Soch, a show where we take you on a literary journey with award-winning authors and what makes the Valley of Words such a spectacular literature fest, running its fifth edition this year. So good evening uh, everyone. I welcome you all to the fourth Valley of Words Literature Festival and uh, in wow uh, we have the RST forum and we I welcome you all for to the Aristolia forum which uh, largely uh, is uh, uh, built around development uh, specifically for the Uttarakhand state as well as the other mountain states. Uh, we have a very interesting and a very uh, acclaimed uh, 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 you know group of panelists here and i'd like to welcome all of you uh, let me introduce you to, to the chairperson the man of the of this group uh, shri pd rai saab uh, shri pd rai uh, saab is a former uh, member of parliament representing sikkim and he is also presently the president of the imi which is the integrated mountain initiative and i'd like to invite uh, shri rai uh, to give his opening remarks like this sochcast Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you, Vinita ji. Uh, this is a really great honor that uh, I've been asked to chair this wonderful session, uh, which has been organized by both Wow as well as the RST Forum. Since the Integrated Mountain Initiative is also a partner in these events with. uh the valley of words i feel doubly honored the topic is to understand how we can get our economy back on track in the midst of the pandemic and especially in uttarakhand as well as all the other mountain states and there is also a dire need to look at it from the lens of microfinance the pandemic period started early march of this year and it has been totally bizarre there has been a total lockdown for over 3 to 4 months and partial lockdown thereafter the initial period there was a fear which was induced by a marauding virus that was just outside your door and that was inexplicable an unknown and a new sense of uncertain reality that followed suit it just went along with the guidelines issued by those who seemed to be in the know that is the state administration i was lucky that my family was just where they ought to have been home millions of others and especially the migrant workers were not so lucky and the rest is history in the interim the environment bounces back as it always does when human activity stops and the world over it did so the air became clearer the noise pollution vanished the skies were again blue the forests and its teeming fauna suddenly found more space we learned how much we are adversely impacting our climate on the other hand we went into deep economic decline and recession and yet we are not yet 
And yet we are not yet done with the virus. We also started hearing of trade-offs, public health versus economic resilience. We all started to seriously examine what is happening. The migrant issue became one big uh, problem immediately, as especially after the 25th of March lockdown. Untold stories of misery, pain, death, and empathy of people and help from unknown faces started doing the rounds. We all tried to do our bit as well. It was time to give. We also started to make sense of what was happening, especially about the numbers infected and those dying from the pandemic. Academics and epidemiologists began understanding more about the virus and what to do about the infected persons. Protocols, medication, etc., were put into place, and that too very rapidly. A global fight against the virus ensued, but also politics got in the way. Uttarakhand, I can imagine, has been hugely hit by the pandemic and the lockdown because of a lot of business being dependent on the tourism sector. It's not only the business, but also about livelihoods. And Uttarakhand, amongst all the mountain states, sends the largest numbers of migrant workers to other parts of India. So a figure of returning migrants in the hundreds of thousands is no surprise. This is, to my mind, both a burden and an opportunity. Sikkim's situation is similar. In my hometown, Gangtok, we have a small startup that delivers food from restaurants. A wannabe Zomato, if you will. The enterprise pivoted to deliver medicines and other essentials to households who could not get, go out of their homes to buy them. This was, in, this was the innovative spirit. Then people needed more vegetables and fruits. There is a story of this young woman entrepreneur who was running a very successful restaurant. She had to close. But instead of mourning, what she did was she visited all the farmers and the villagers nearby, buying up the produce and asking for more and organizing them. And in this way, she brought back the produce and then rang up her customers who came in droves and started buying from her the fresh vegetables and fruits which she brought from the farmers. She was therefore able to not only sustain the livelihoods, but connect the consumers to the farmers. There are a number of other young people, mainly returning migrants, who got together to put on put e-commerce sites to sell produce of this kind locally, and therefore helping both the farmers and the consumers. There is news from Nagaland, where returning migrants numbering more than 18,000, who went on to create a network called the Yellow Chain. And this was helped by both the civil society and the government of Nagaland. It was to connect again the local customers to local farmers and producers. This was an initiative which was born out of a webinar held in early May 
and which was organized by the Integrated Mountain Initiative. Then we come to Mizoram, which spearheaded local groups who have helped with community action to contain the pandemic. And the result, just one death from COVID till now. The pandemic has taught us that in order to build back better, we need to help ourselves locally. It also means that we should share across our networks the things that we do and which work. Social media is a great tool for this. So foremost to help those producing food, we need to create the local markets with people wanting organic food and that which helps in building immunity in people, there's a huge surge in demand, which is being fulfilled by local young IT returning migrants. Anything green has to do with the use of resources around us, food and agriculture. We need to grow our own food. In all of this, we have to think of how we can build back better because we have to look at how we are impacting our climate as well. I have narrated a few stories from the ground from other parts of the other parts in the mountain states. We have to find new and innovative ways to make use of all the skill sets that most migrants are returning with in their villages. That will require a large amount of energy going into organization as well as in reskilling efforts. And above all, to find the finance or the microfinance to give them a chance to succeed. Let us now hear from our esteemed panelists, who I understand are very well equipped to deal with this very, very complex subject. I do hope that we will, be, we will wind up this session with a sense of purpose and some kind of a way forward. With this, I thank you all, and I hand this over to Benita to take it forward. Thank you very much. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Rai. Uh, I welcome now our first panelist in this session, Sri Indu Kumar Pandeji. Sri Pandey has been his former Chief Secretary of Uttarakhand and he is presently the Chairperson of the State Finance Commission of Uttarakhand and also member of the committee on post-COVID reconstruction. So from this vantage, what do you see as the three most important impacts of the economy in Uttarakhand, sir? Uh, if we take an overview of the Uttarakhand economy, the current size of the economy is about 2.66 lakh crores. And 90% of the GSDP comes from manufacturing and service sectors. Service sector has been having a larger share, almost about 50%. And 40% comes from the manufacturing sector. And the primary sector uh, accounts for about 10% of the economy. In terms of population, about 70% population is rural. And 30% of it is urban as per the a 2011 census, it may have changed somewhat because ever since then, a few rural areas have now become urban. They've been urbanized. And one peculiar feature of the state is a very large floating population. Now, 
the economic impact one has been in terms of economic activity because for almost three months all manufacturing virtually came to a halt so was the case with the various other industries the various other activities like tourism related activities which included transport trade etc so trade transport manufacturing all uh, suffered there was a delay in implementation of projects which was likely to run uh, likely to lead to cost overruns then the state finances were also impacted uh, in, in terms of state finances roughly 65% of the finances come from taxes rest come by way either by way of royalty or other non tax revenue and certain grants now there are certain peculiarities to the state one is uh, uh, what one may call it a uh, hill versus play, hill and vis-a-vis -vis the plains divide because most of the manufacturing activity and trade is in the uh, plain areas so the various areas have been impacted in different manner initially there was hardly any covid impact in the remoter areas in the higher hills but with the opening up of the area uh, increase in economic activity even these areas have been affected now so as uh, mr rai pointed out there has to be a trade off between uh, the economic impact of it and the security issues or the safety issues this was as we all realize was an unprecedented crisis for which there are no standard or operating procedures so we are trying to now struggle with finding out uh, some kind of a response to it which while keeping uh, keeping the economic activity going at the same time to all the public health concerns are also adequately taken care of because our public health machinery is also not geared to deal with this kind of a pandemic so it has been a bit of experimentation and i think they have come up uh, quite well to face the challenge now since i was also heading a committee for uh, post covid economic revival i think we have taken a very localized kind of a view and uh, with a uh, with a plan design at the local level micro plans for the districts which need to be monitored very closely because that is one of the problems what what it has resulted is one is the disturbed livelihood the other is distress public education distress public health population shift in terms of in migration and out migration fall in consumption levels fall in demand uh, supply chains being affected fall in investment also so the state government has already uh, kind of uh, uh, dealing with the fiscal deficit so there's not much elbow room even with the state government so we have to work out some kind of a futuristic scenario as to what activities need to be promoted what the future economic scenario is going to be like how far the state economy is affected by it how much of it can bounce back which are the areas where we have to think in terms of innovative measures as uh, dr rai pointed out that some of the people have gone in for innovative kind of practices 
which I think has happened uh, almost everywhere. At least uh, I know in Uttarakhand, the restaurant business was being affected, so they started home delivery with uh, uh, adequate taking adequate precautions, have a relationship with their old customers. So these kind of things. So futuristic scenario, how we make a structural shift in terms of knowledge economy. For example, one thing which in a long term is being thought of is uh, the homestays, safe kind of homestays for a longer duration. Because today, tourists come for a very short time. So can we, in the context of COVID, promote something like a homestay which is there for a longer period where a person feels secure and there the challenges will be of connectivity etc i think so all yeah. new kind of challenges which are emerging i think one will have to deal with it and what it needs is a very close monitoring system and wherever mid-course corrections are needed uh, 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 which is a very difficult thing in the governmental system but we'll have to attempt all those things. I think that about sums up the scenario. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Pandey. And uh, we will, I'll get back to you again. Now I'd like to invite uh, Dr. B.K. Joshi. Dr. B.K. Joshi is former Vice Chancellor, Kumau University, and post-retirement, he's been involved in a lot of other development activities, but presently he also uh, is, the co is the founder and he also runs the Dehradun Dune Library, which is uh, in, in Dehradun. Joshi, sir, uh, at a macro level, since you have been also very, very active and you've been documenting migration issues of Uttarakhand for a very long time, and this issue itself adds, uh, you know, another dimension to this whole issue. At this macro level, how many migrants do you think are really estimated to have come back? Though there are some official figures and you're also involved in doing some studies related with this. And what do you think is the biggest challenge in rehabilitating those migrants who really don't want to go back who would like to stay? Dr. Joshi. Uh, thank you, Vidita. <clears throat> uh, COVID has really posed a very major challenge in terms of the return migrants. Because as Mr. Rai says, and as it is very well known, we've been talking about it. Everybody has been talking about for the last so many years that Male out migration has been one of the major features of Uttarakhand. Whether positive or negative depends upon our own uh, way of understanding the phenomenon. But over the past many years, not just a few years, but many decades, I would say, people have been moving out of this area in search of employment, in search of livelihoods. And so the numbers are very large. In fact, we really don't have a proper estimate of how many people have moved out of Uttarakhand, say within the last 20 years or 25 years. But it is a fact that the census of 2011 brought to our notice the fact that two districts in particular, Almora and Pori Garhwal, had a negative population growth rate, which means that more people moved out of these two districts than they were born or brought into these. 
So this is the kind of situation which Uttarakhand has been facing for a large number of years. Now, with COVID, when people who are working in all over the country, they lost their employment, they lost their livelihood, they all started coming back. Now, the problem right now is, do we have an adequate estimate of the number of people who have come back as a result of this pandemic? As you know, we have this migration commission in the state, perhaps the only state which has set up a commission, a government commission, to study the problems of migrants and to find out ways of bringing them back or creating opportunities for reverse migration. Now, the Migration Commission in its report estimates something like two and a half lakhs of migrants having come back. I mean, I'm, I don't remember the exact figure, but that's the order of magnitude that they are talking about. Now, that is one figure which we have of the number of return migrants. But again, recently I've come to know that the state disaster response force has an estimate of something like something in the neighborhood is six lakhs. Now there is a tremendous variation between two and a half lakhs and six lakhs. It's not just 10, 15, 20%, it's over a hundred percent. Now this poses a tremendous challenge from a policy point of view. Now, if we are to formulate a policy, which figure do we really take into account? Now, that is a challenge, and I think we will have to do something to reconcile these two figures. Unless these two figures are reconciled, the policy response will remain inadequate. That is one of the issues that I think calls for immediate attention. The second is, again, the Migration Commission has built a profile of the migrants. What were the kinds of activities they were engaged in, economic activities where they were working, so that we tried to formulate policies for their rehabilitation here. Now, it turns out that a majority of the returned migrants, according to the uh, Migration Commission report, were engaged in the hospitality sector, in hotels, in restaurants, in these kinds of areas. The point is that the COVID has really given a big hit to the hospitality sector. Uttarakhand, which depends upon tourism, has been very badly hit by hospitality. I think we'll have a better idea when Mr. Thirish Kapoor talks about it. But we all know that our hospitality sector, our tourism sector has been very badly hit. So we really cannot absorb these people immediately or in the short run in our hospitality sector. Because people who are working in our hotels and restaurants located in Uttarakhand have lost their jobs. So who has a first, suppose for jobs are created, who then gets the first right? People who from Uttarakhand who have lost their jobs in Uttarakhand or migrants who have come from outside are they going? That's one. Now it's true, Mr. P.D. Rai mentioned a number of cases where individuals 
have taken an initiative, shown entrepreneurial talent, and have really tried to take advantage of the situation, the opportunities that are available. And we also have such reports from Uttarakhand. Because after all, if the situation is desperate, if your livelihood is threatened, people have to do something to make two ends meet. And people have shown innovation, entrepreneurship, and have tried to do this. But then this is at a small, micro, individual level. When you look at the macro picture, then the challenge is very great. And I think it is here that, number one, we need reliable figures. Right now, I don't think we have reliable figures for creating or for crafting a proper policy response. And second, what are the kinds of opportunities which are going to be available? Because my own suspicion is that once the economy opens up in various places, the migrants will prefer to go back to where they were. Because the original reason for their migration from Uttarakhand remain. So as soon as opportunities become available, people will go back and I don't really blame them because people have to make ends meet and their aspirations also have to be met. So a small percentage ultimately may be left behind, but a bulk of them, the vast majority, but when that happens is an open question. We really don't know when the economy comes back. Fortunately, there are signs which one sees that the economy is gradually bouncing back. Hopefully, if we are able to get control over pandemic in the next few months, as people say, that by the end of the year or by early next year, we'll have some control over it, then perhaps we can think of the economy bouncing back, and then we can perhaps also hope that many of these people will go back. So that is the kind of problem which we have at the moment. And these are the challenges which the migration return of migrants has posed before us. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Joshi. And we, I'll get back to you uh, after we finish the first round of questions. Uh, now I'd like to welcome uh, Mrs. Uh, Bharti Ramola. Uh, Mrs. Bharti Ramola has been a part of the uh, Indian corporate sector and the financial sector. And she's also the co-founder of BASICS, the pioneering microfinance institution of India. I think uh, a very right person to speak on uh, the COVID situation on, I think, another at the, at the macro level of the finances. Uh, Ma'am, what you are looking at the impact of COVID on state finances. And why don't you highlight how you feel that the state finances are being impacted Mm -hmm. and how, therefore, the economy at the household level specifically can be impacted due to this? This is Ramona. Namaskar. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I'm also a member of IMI, so I'm uh, particularly pleased to be here um, and, and, and a fan of Dr. Tolia, so all the more even. Um, you know, the state finances have got, I think Mr. Pandey and uh, Mr. Joshi have already, Dr. Joshi have already talked about it a little bit, but they've been impacted from every possible direction in the last few months. So to give you an example, uh, the, for the state of Uttarakhand, there are four main sources of um, 
finance for the state, and which is true of all the states in the country. But you have, you know, your own taxes, you have uh, central government devolutions, you have own uh, non-taxes, and you also have, uh, uh, you know, centrally sponsored schemes, which, uh, which come to you. Now, very clearly, your ability to garner your own taxes is going to go down when the economy has come to almost a grinding halt. So there's been a substantial reduction in uh, own tax collections of all states, and Uttarakhand is not, you know, not different. The central government has, uh, you know, there has been a sluggishness in their tax collections over the last uh, few years. So, and, you know, COVID has again impacted them significantly. And uh, there, so therefore, you know, the devolutions we talk about, which come from the central tax collection to the states, have got impacted. You already, the budgeted amounts which have to come to the state are lower than what the Finance Commission had recommended for the current year. But I think what is worse is that the GST guaranteed amount which had to come to uh, Uttarakhand um, is also, you know, affected because uh, Uttarakhand actually in the past hasn't asked for uh, a deficit financing, I mean, deficit on the GST collections. But uh, for last year it did, and this year again, obviously there would be a deficit. But the cess collection by the central government, which contributes to the deficit, has also not obviously, um, you know, uh, been up, up to the mark. And so therefore, that deficit also cannot be met. So you have a situation in which uh, your own resources are impacted, what can come from the center is impacted. And by the way, the third main source, which is um, schemes which are sponsored by the central government, are also affected because if with, the, with you know, movement of people being stopped, construction activity being stopped, that spending is just not happening. So you actually have a situation in which um, the economy of the state is, uh, is really, um, I mean, you know, affected partly because of what is happening on the ground, but partly because the state government is a big spender in the state. And when the state finances get affected, then the economy, uh, you know, gets further uh, impacted. So if you look at it at the household level, um, what were the sources of um, money that a family had? You know, either you had somebody in economic activity within the state, or you had somebody in economic activity outside the state. Now, if I had a if I had a migrant who was sending me money, that stopped, right? And um, my own sources of revenue, um, other than what I can do on the farm, are all gone. So you actually have a situation in which a household in Uttarakhand, in particular is, uh, you know, their income levels in many cases would have gone down to, you know, by not just like 10%, 20%, etc., which we in urban areas think is, you know, uh, is a huge problem. They would have gone down to uh, zero, maybe. They would have gone down to 50% levels. So we are actually in a situation which is fairly dire. Um, and as, you know, Mr. Pandit pointed out so poignantly at the beginning, you know, our primary sector is only 10% of the state's economy. So now we are with COVID happening and um, our, uh, you know, manufacturing has been very limited. Services, which are, you know, a lot of it is tourism, have come to a halt. This primary sector now has the responsibility to feed all of us and our migrants who've come back. So I think we are in a situation where we have to think of some very, very drastic measures in order for um, there not to be 
um, you know, very, very um, dire effects on our goals at the ground level. But I'll stop here because I think we have a couple of people who, who are working at the ground level. I'm sure they can paint the picture much uh, more, uh, uh, you know, they can paint it much better than I can. Thank you. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you, Mrs. Ramola, and we'll get back to you a little later. Now, I'd like to um, invite Mr. Tarish Kapoor. Uh, Mr. Kapoor has been is formerly the chair, chairman of the Grameen Bank of Uttarakhand, and after retirement, he chose to uh, settle down in a home is a resort, a homestay resort uh, in Kosani. Uh, in uh, Almora, in uh, Bageshwar, Almora district, sorry. Mr. Kapoor, you have been a part of the tourism sector and uh, you've been lo- looking at the, t- the tourism sector being uh, affected by COVID, specifically to the very specific uh, tourism sector of homestays and, uh, and tourism sector you know, as a whole. What do you think, please highlight how and exactly where, exactly at what point have these, uh, has this sector been affected and how do you think one can get out of it? Thank you. I will first like to remember my, if we talk about uh, COVID, I think the most affected factor all over the world was tourism. Tourism doesn't mean that only tourists coming, but what people, they depend on tourists. Uh, on tourism, our transporter, our travel agent, our hotels, our homestays, and the handicraft which we are producing, or the things which we are producing, these are being consumed by the uh, tourists or resource or the hotels. The most affected, or not all over the uh, all over the world, but in Uttarakhand, because our economy depends largely on this sector, because most of the people they are having. Uh, and they are depending on this. If you go all over the world, you will find that our people from hospitality industry, uh, like cook, chefs, and uh, all these people, they are almost all over the world. So which they migrated also, they are affected. But closing this sector for almost six months, more than six months. You see, from 22nd of March till first week of September or later September, we had almost no income. I did not check off, I did not ask my any employee to leave me because I depend on them. I told them, whatsoever money I've got, I will pay you, but you have to pay everything. They all very kindly agree. They went to their homes. But I tell you how I could pay a very bigger amount, very small amount to them. I could not pay their salaries till uh, we opened in uh, October. I could just pay a little amount, but we are affected in a very bad way. They were not a single penny with me. If I say that my pension was, uh, was not there, I will not be able to do anything. Because we all starved, there was no income. Because we, we work when the money comes in, when the money flows in, then we spend also. But Uttarakhand was affected in a very big way. Not only hotels, not resorts, not the homestays, roadside dhabas, taxis, transport, travel agents, they all suffered. They had no money. I have uh, now decided that whatsoever happened to us, whether we revive or not, but we should have some amount of cash with us, liquidity. See, having a resort with crores of rupees, many of the people, uh, I've, I've, I've talked to a large number of people. Kosadi is a center where a large number of tourists come from all over the world. Mahatma Gandhi named it as Switzerland of India. The Purash was very famous in this area, but for six, seven months, not having a single client kills you. 
So I, uh, I, when I talk to people, they were all starving. They could not do anything. I went to the different hotels, restaurants, resorts, and people were talking about how they're helpless. I wanted to help my religion because I'm running a small NGO also here. Uh, that is with the help of Development Science and Technology Government of India. So we are having some, we are working in the villages. But so they have produced, they could not sell. The mushroom they produce a lot here, they could not sell. So as a, because um, uh, on tourism, they all depend. There are 42 plus hotels in Kosani. And they all buy things from the local public, they get money. So they were all starving and for this. Second thing, uh, there were many people who were stuck here. Till the lockdown was there, no one could move out. And they were always crying for help. We did help them. I really contributed to the society also, who had no food. But when you get money, then only you spend it also. In Uttarakhand, because of religious tourism was almost dead, the adventure was not possible. The laser was not there. People could not move. Taxi balas, they were fight. They were literally crying. I remember once I was going to Bejnath and one taxi wala, who will always supply the taxis, said, do something for me. Because you see, I have, I have not got a single penny for the last six months. How can I help, I help you? I'm paying my staff because of that. He said, you are out of that pension, give me some services. Apparently, the tourism in was hit very And with tourism, government collections, all funds, and um, a large number of people also came from outside also. They could not work. You'll be surprised that people literally asked me, when a one um, uh, gardener came from Delhi, I employed him. I said, well, you come to me. First, I said, what I will give you. But you will be shocked. He says, give me anything because I'm starving. I said, well, you come to my place, do what you like. What's the money I've got, I will give you. What's the money I've got, I will share. But uh, I think government should have taken some initiative because our hills were all green jewels. Even the last to start, we are still not doing any publicity for tourism. I think we should have a big campaign when people should, uh, we should tell people that, okay, we are all in green zone. You'd be surprised that in Bagheshwar district, I don't think so. We had one or two deaths, a very few number of corona people. So it is a green zone where people from all over come. I had started myself. I offered my people in September, okay, you come and stay for one month, 15 days, 10 days with me, and maybe one third or one fourth or less than one fourth of the amount so that uh, my people will get some work. You see, keeping employees with you without uh, doing any work is a big problem. Only few, eight or ten, have this game, but they're all scared. Then police scare was very much there. They were not allowed to come into our town. They were asked to go for a COVID test. They were asked that unless you have a COVID test report, or only 1,500 people can come to Uttarakhand. That was a big problem. That literally devastated the industry in a big way. The government should have allowed these people to come. Our hills are all safe. The Uttarakhand was most affected in Dehradun or maybe part of Naritaal or Haridwar. But otherwise, hills, we are all very safe here. Had we allowed these tourists to come, had we guided these people to come, uh, do something, we would have been very lucky. I, I would like to suggest two more things to our government that there should be a big publicity campaign for the tourism in Uttarakhand. We should sell our Himalayas. The beautiful weather was here, the beautiful things were there, everything was available, but no tourists. Still, they are not coming here in large numbers. Or the uh, number they were coming in October, November. This year, Bengali season is wiped out, Gujarati season is wiped out. We are not getting any clients. For last almost one month, we are getting one or two or three rooms per day. So that's uh, that is one big problem uh, with our uh, economy and selling the hotel. It's not my condition, condition of everyone. 
even if you are charging one fourth, that if you want to generate employment, we should conduct a training program for the youth of this area, uh, for guides, the nature guides, the bird guides, and all this type of thing. That will give employment to a lot of people also. Thank you. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you very much, Mr. Kapoor, and uh, your suggestion. We can up. Uh, we'll come back to you for more suggestions. Meanwhile, now uh, I want to welcome Mr. Ratan Singh Aswal Ji, who is a grassroots level uh, social social activist. He has been working in different cities and villages in Uttarakhand. असवाल जी आप पिछले पूरे कोविड के टाइम पे बहुत सक्रिय रहे जो रिवर्स माइग्रेंट्स कई आए हैं उनको एम्प्लॉयमेंट देने की आपने कोशिश करी ऐसा हमने कहीं से जानकारी भी ली है और आपने बताया है आप विस्तार से इन समस्याओं को लेकर और कैसे आपने कार्य किया इसके बारे में कुछ बताएं धन्यवाद बिनिता जी मैं एक कुछ कुछ चीजें हैं दो चीज दो तीन बातें हैं जिनकी तरफ सबका मैं ध्यानाकर्षण करना चाहूंगा क्योंकि सब मेरे से सीनियर हैं और आपसे हमें कुछ सीखने को मिलता है अगर मैं उत्तराखंड की बात करूं क्योंकि माइक्रो फाइनेंस की बात हो रही है सब्जेक्ट माइक्रो फाइनेंस है तो इसी पे थोड़ा सा मैं एक मिनट लूंगा यदि हम उत्तराखंड की बात करें तो एक करोड़ पांच लाख की पॉपुलेशन हमारी है और इस पॉपुलेशन का लगभग तिरसठ परसेंट सिक्सटी थ्री परसेंट जो हमारी पॉपुलेशन है उसकी जो आय है वो पांच हजार रुपए से भी कम है प्रतिमाह और बाईस परसेंट जो हमारे टोटल पॉपुलेशन है इसका जो है दस परसेंट के आसपास इसकी प्रति व्यक्ति पर मंथ आय है सॉरी पर, पर मंथ आय है और यही दूसरी तरफ यदि हम प्रति व्यक्ति आय की बात करें राष्ट्रीय स्तर पर तो हमारा छठा नंबर है उत्तराखंड राज्य का तो ये तो स्थिति तीन डेटा के बारे में मैंने आपको बताया अब मूलतः यदि हम पर्वतीय क्षेत्रों की बात कर रहे हैं या उत्तराखंड की बात कर रहे हैं तो हमारे जो आजीविका के मूल संसाधन हैं वो कृषि और कृषि आधारित जो अन्य उसके साथ जैसे पशुधन पशुपालन है या हॉर्टिकल्चर है वो वो मेन हमारे आर्थिक आर्थिकी का मुख्य स्रोत है लेकिन देखा गया है कि राज्य गठन के बाद से जो हमारा कृषि जोत है जो हमारी एग्रीकल्चर लैंड है पर्वतीय क्षेत्रों की ये लगातार घटती जा रही है इन द सेंस कि इसकी जोत बंजर होती जा रही है लगातार जब हम ग्राउंड जीरो पे बात करते हैं लोगों से तो वो वो एक तो उत्पादन की बात आती है कि जितनी उनकी मेहनत है उतना उनका उत्पादन उसका नहीं हो पाता है और दूसरी जो प्रमुख जो कारण जो गिनाया जाता है वो है एक तो बंदर सोवर और आवारा गोवंश जिसके कारण से कि किसान खेती की तरफ से डुमुख हो रहा है वहीं दूसरी तरफ जब हम क्रॉप पैटर्न की बात करते हैं कि इसका जो जो इसकी ईल्ड है कि बढ़ क्यों नहीं पा रही है उत्पादन क्यों नहीं बढ़ पा रहा है तो जब हम उसके मूल में जाते हैं तो हम हम पाते हैं कि जो बीज है हमारा वो पीढ़ी दर पीढ़ी वही बीज रिपीट हो रहा है और कोई नई तकनीक जो है किसानों को नहीं दी गई है यदि पावर बिल्डर को दे देना हम बहुत बड़ी तकनीक मान लेते हैं तो वहीं हमको यह भी ध्यान रखना पड़ेगा कि कितने वजन का पावर बिल्डर हमको पहाड़ में देना होगा क्योंकि पहाड़ के जो सीढ़ी नुमा खेत है एक खेत से दूसरे खेत में ले जाने में भी पावर बिल्डर को ले जाने में भी मुश्किल होती है तो इन सब चीजों का ध्यान हमको रखना होगा अगर इसी क्रम में यदि हम बात करें अपने पड़ोसी राज्य हमारे बगल में सेम जो भौगोलिक परिस्थिति का राज्य है हिमाचल और वहां की कृषि और कृषि के जो आधारित जितने अन्य चीजें हैं जैसे उनके 
उद्यांग है या पशुधन है उसकी बात करेंगे हम तो उनका जो ग्रोथ रेट है वो लगभग नौ परसेंट है वहीं हमारे राज्य का जो ग्रोथ रेट है वो चार परसेंट है और यदि हम हरिद्वार और उधम सिंह नगर को हटा दें जो विशुद्ध रूप से मैदानी जनपद है तो यही ग्रोथ रेट हमारा एक परसेंट या डेढ़ परसेंट तक रह जाएगा तो इतनी असमानता हमारे और हमारे पड़ोस में जो राज्य है उसके बीच में है तो जब हम इसके मूल में जाते हैं कि इतना इतना विरोधाभास क्यों है इतनी इतनी बड़ी खाई क्यों है दो समानांतर भौगोलिक परिस्थिति के राज्यों में तो इसके इसके मूल में हम पाते हैं कि जो जो इच्छा शक्ति है जो विभागीय स्तर पे जो इच्छा शक्ति होनी चाहिए या विशेषज्ञ विभागों को जो करना चाहिए वो नहीं कर रहे हैं जैसे कि अभी थोड़ी देर पहले प्रोफेसर जोशी जी ने आंकड़ों की बात करी थी कि सबसे पहले हमें आंकड़े ठीक करने पड़ेंगे तो हमारे राज्य की जो सबसे बड़ी समस्या है वो है गलत आंकड़े तो हमारे राज्य का जो वैज्ञानिक है या जो फील्ड का कर्मचारी है वो फील्ड में किसान के पास नहीं जाता है और ऑफिस में बैठ के ही वो आंकड़ेबाजी से हमारे यहाँ उत्पादन घटा और बढ़ा रहा है तो ये तो मोटा मोटी चीजें थी कि जो मैंने आपको बताई है कि कृषि से रिलेटेड कहाँ पे हम आज की डेट में खड़े वहीं दूसरी तरफ यदि रोजगार की हम बात करते हैं तो अगर पर्यटन और धार्मिक पर्यटन को हम जोड़ दें दोनों तरफ दोनों को जोड़ दें तो लगभग दो लाख लोग इससे आजीविका चलाते हैं तो दो लाख मतलब अगर एक पे तीन और डिपेंडेंट है तो आठ लाख आठ लाख लोग सीधे सीधे इससे अपनी आजीविका चला रहे हैं वहीं दूसरी तरफ जो हमारे ऑर्गेनाइज सेक्टर में सेना में या अर्ध सेना सैनिक बलों में जो हमारे लोग जा रहे हैं उनका भी एक बहुत बड़ा परसेंटेज और जो 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 है अनस्किल्ड सेक्टर में जो हमारे यहाँ का युवा जा रहा है जो फैक्ट्री में काम कर रहा है या गार्ड की नौकरी कर रहा है या अन्य राज्यों में होटलों में नौकरी कर रहा है उसका परसेंटेज भी बहुत ज्यादा है तो कुल मिलाकर मैं तो रहवासी बोलता हूँ उनको माइग्रेंट इनफेक्ट मैं नहीं बोलता हूँ हमारे मूल निवासी हैं तो प्रवासी नहीं हो सकते हैं मैं उन्हीं के बीच में और उन्हीं की बातें मैं आपसे साझा कर रहा हूँ कि हाँ, आपने जो है 120 स्कीमें आपने चलाई हैं इंदु कुमार पांडे जी भी यहाँ पे आप अगर मेरी बात का संज्ञान लेंगे तो मेरे ख्याल से ज्यादा बढ़िया रहेगा हम यहाँ पे रोकने की बात कर रहे हैं माइक्रो फाइनेंसिंग की हम बात कर रहे हैं अब जब आपने पोर्टल बनाया है उस पोर्टल को कभी क्या किसी विशेषज्ञ ने देखने की कोशिश करी है कि जो माइग्रेंट है वो उसको भर पा रहा है कि नहीं भर पा रहा है एक बात दूसरी चीज की दूसरी बात दूसरी बात ये आती है कि वो जो वो जो लड़का है जो घर आया हुआ है धक्के खाके वो फिर यहाँ सरकारी विभागों में धक्के खा रहा है तो मेरा बोलने का मतलब ये है कि मैंने एक अन्य उसमें भी बोला था कि हमारे यहाँ जो हॉर्टिकल्चर है और जो पशुपालन है मुर्गी पालन है मशरूम है और फल सब्जी सब्जी उत्पादन है इसकी तरफ यदि हम फोकस करें बच्चों को और हम एक लार्ज नंबर ना लेके साढ़े तीन लाख माइग्रेंट हमारे यहाँ आए हैं जिसमें से फिफ्टी परसेंट जा चुके हैं और बाकी जाने की तैयारी में है तो मेरा बोलने का मतलब ये है कि जो विषम भौगोलिक परिस्थितियों में भी यहाँ काम कर रहे हैं और जो बच्चे यहाँ रुकना चाहते हैं उनको फोकस करके यदि हम पांच से दस को भी यहाँ रोकने में कामयाब हुए उनको यहाँ पे सक्सेस स्टोरी लिखने में कामयाब हुए तो यही जो पांच या दस परसेंट सक्सेस स्टोरी आऊंगी ये अपने साथ पचास परसेंट और को 
खींचेंगी और हम रोजगार देने की स्थिति में आएंगे लेकिन उसके लिए आपको ब्लॉक स्तर पे और न्याय पंचायत स्तर पे ऐसी जो आपका जो सहकारिता विभाग हो उसको आपको जो है थोड़ा सा चार्ज करना पड़ेगा कि वो ऑफिस में बैठ के ना जाके जो मूल रूप से माइग्रेंट है जो बेरोजगार है उसकी सहायता किसी न किसी प्रकार से करे अब वही दूसरी तरफ अभी पीढ़ी राय साहब ने बहुत सारे सक्सेस स्टोरिया गिनाई है इसी कड़ी में मैं आपको बता देता हूं कि इसी लॉकडाउन पीरियड में हमने पौड़ी जनपद की नयार घाटी में साहसिक पर्यटन के लिए काम किया तो हमने वहां पे एरो स्पोर्ट्स और एंगलिंग को प्रमोट किया आज की डेट में उसका परिणाम ये है कि माननीय मुख्यमंत्री जी ने उसका संज्ञान लिया और 19 तारीख से लेकर 20 तारीख तक राष्ट्रीय एरो स्पोर्ट्स फेस्टिवल वहां पे होने जा रहा है तो इस तरह से अन्य लोगों ने भी काम किए हैं लेकिन सवाल इस बात का है कि जो सरकारी आंकड़ेबाजी है जिसको मैं फर्जी आंकड़ेबाजी सीधे सीधे कहूंगा वो और जो सरकारी मुलाजिम है वो अपने दायित्व का निर्वहन पूरी ईमानदारी से करे जितना उसको वेतन मिल रहा है उस आधार पे करे ना कि इस आधार पे कि ये तीन लाख रुपए का तेरे को लोन मिलेगा पहले तू नब्बे हजार रुपए मेरा कमीशन ला उसके बाद तेरा लोन सैंक्शन करूंगा ये सब चीजें हमने देखी है अपने आंखों के सामने सुनी है तो ये सारी बातें जो है इनकी तरफ यदि योजनाकार ध्यान दें तो निश्चित रूप से जिस तरह से बच्चे धक्के खाके आए हैं वो यदि यहाँ से वापस जाएंगे तो मन मार के जाएंगे इच्छा से तो नहीं जाएंगे मेरे ख्याल से इस ओर हमें ध्यान देना पड़े लाइक दिस सोच कास्ट ट्यून इन फॉर मोर विदोचकास्ट एप फ्रॉम द गूगल प्ले स्टोर असवाल जी धन्यवाद अभी वापस फिर अगर समय रहा तो सजेशंस के लिए मैं बहुत बहुत धन्यवाद आपने बहुत ही एक जो रियल टाइम पिक्चर है ग्रास रूट लेवल में वो आपने एक दृश्य बताने की कोशिश करी है और नाउ आई लाइक टू वेलकम अनमोल एंड श्री अनमोल हैज बीन वर्किंग फॉर द डेवलपमेंट सेक्टर अनमोल यू आर ऑन म्यूट कैन यू अनम्यूट योर in the development sector of uttarakhand for the last 20 years and he is presently a consultant with the jaika project in uttarakhand and working with a number of livelihood uh, projects and uh, he has uh, i think the project has worked um, uh, at grassroots level i think bringing together data and uh, status of a, a number of uh, workers who have returned back to their villages maybe you would like to highlight some of the problems uh, and 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 a challenge good afternoon everyone Uh, when we are talking about the impact of covid particularly on the service sector you know the, the, the thing which is being highlighted everywhere is the uh, number of returning migrants who came from outside the state and came back here because they lost their jobs and they were displaced and we are getting like dr joshi was talking we are getting some figures of 2.5 lakhs or 3.5 lakhs or 6 lakh people but what is important what i have seen in the, at in the uh, at the grassroots level is that Uh, this is this number is just the tip of the iceberg we have got a large number of people who are inter, who are working within the state in places like industrial centers like dehradun haridwar or udham singh nagar or in tourism hubs like masuri nainital or ramnagar or even haridwar who due to covid have been displaced from their jobs who have lost who maybe have lost their jobs and they have had to go back to their native places to their villages in the hills and and there is no number there is no talk about these people but i think they are equally affected as people you know coming from outside the state who are also are part of our uh, uh, you know state but they are they are uh, but we are talking about their number but we are not talking about number of these people and i have got lot had lot of discussions with them in the in the field in in the villages and these people even after unlock has happened 
at least 50% of these people are still in their villages because either their employers have terminated their jobs or their employers have said that okay we are our hotel is open but you know right now this is off season there is limited work so maybe in, we will call you back in march or february when there is more work so they are still sitting in their houses waiting for the call from their employer so they are also equally affected but perhaps we need to pay more attention to these people these these migrants from our within our state second issue when we talk about the grassroots level based on the work that we are doing second issue if i look and if i look at the farm sector specifically then the farm sector was worst affected during the months of april to june so immediately after the lockdown because that was the period when uh, there was lack of transportation the markets were also not opening properly and particularly in remote area where we are working like bageshwar pithodagar champavat or you know other remote area locations where they were not close to the markets the farmers were not close to the market if you look at the factors then that was the time when you know crops like potato beans and cauliflower coriander they were you know coming out and like if we talk about coriander the people of the people lost you know their entire produce was finished because they could not market it in time and it is a perishable product if, if and similarly a number of horticulturists who were you know that was a season of harvesting plum peach and apricots and i spoke to a, a horticulturist who had close to 150 uh, plum trees in his uh, orchard and he said you know i got a very good harvest of plum but uh, during the month of early june i could not take it to the market and there was also not a great demand in the market so finally what i did i distributed in the village and my entire income of that year was eroded so like uh, bharti ji was saying that at the household level in the farm sector at least Uh, maybe 50% or even 75% of the incomes of the people have been eroded during the lockdown period and what to do next you know they were waiting for next harvest to go on so this these are some grave issues which i would like to highlight and i think i'll stop here because the time is of essence back to you like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store thank you um, uh, thank you anmol and with the permission of the uh, chair of the panel uh, mr rai we have about 12 uh, 13 minutes left uh, would it be correct that it would be all right if we can pose a single question to uh, each of the panelists please go ahead and i think we should uh, they should give one minute answers because i think uh, this is a very important subject and we should try and drive it to some uh, you know conclusion yeah so i'll come back uh, to um, uh, mr pandey would you like to uh, share uh, one most important step which uh, you feel that your committee would like to uh, put it as the most priority program uh, as a post covid reconstruction program as i said initially i think we have uh, and as mr aswal suggested we have to go, go down to the micro level i think any macro level single program cannot be uniformly pursued all over the state i mean uh, there are regional variations there are micro level variations so to the extent if we are able to reach if not the village level at least the block level because that is where the problems differ from area to area recently i visited two of the districts uh, rudraprayag and uh, Uh, the, the chamoli and uh, 
I was talking to some of the people who were involved in the yatra there. Now, with the yatra season, with the number of yatris now coming to those areas, there the economy has started picking up. Of course, for a very limited period because this year it was shortened by almost half. But the situation is varies from place to place, as Mr. Kapoor said. Their their the occupancy is not even ten percent, one to two rooms. And it may vary from area to area because Nainital certainly over the weekends has been having Nainital and Masuri both. There's a lot of local resistance also from yes. the people because because those who have an interest in tourism activities, they are the stakeholders. They are people who are scared of the tourists coming and bringing COVID with them. So it's a very strange kind of a situation. How do you reconcile uh, the the safety part of it along with? Uh, increase in economic activity because at the end of the day that has to be somehow ensured. Yes. So these are there the, no single program for the state as such cannot be there. We'll have to take uh, I mean uh, we'll have to uh, kind of go about it more in the micro manner and that is why we have, uh, I think the government has entrusted the district magistrates to devise their own strategies within the wider framework. Yeah. Yes, thank you very much, Mr. Pandey. Well said, and I think we are documenting all this. And somebody is, I suppose, going to take this up further to the uh, in the in the policy. Uh, Mr. Uh, Dr. Joshi, uh, you have also been uh, a critic of the, the the way we in Uttarakhand look at migration, and now we have the reverse migration, etc. And you are also a development professional. Uh, what do you think uh, are the other big forces that are at work? And you have been talking about concepts like. Like we have to look at development like again as a paradigm shift, like Mr. Rai said, build better. Is there one big solution that you would like the, all of us to look at uh, in the new way of development, sir? Yes. Uh, basically, what I'd like to say is that COVID has been a big challenge. It has challenged all of us. It has challenged the government. But I think we should also see it as an opportunity. Okay, a lot of things we could have done, we have not done, but I think we see the opportunity and try to move ahead rather than sit back. And I feel that what, I mean, I'm talking in the context of Uttarakhand, what the state needs, and it should do it very urgently, is a robust institutional framework for planning and development, which it lacks at the moment. And this institutional framework should not hesitate in taking the services of experts in various fields. Because unfortunately today, the government is only reliant on itself. Now, I'm, I'm not a critic of the administration. The administration has its responsibilities, has its challenges. The administration is doing a good job, but then it also has its major limitations. Now we recognize those limitations and try to get as much expertise from outside and in various fields, because I think if it is education or public health or economic development, we try to get as much expertise as possible and develop a robust institutional framework, which can give proper advice, policy advice to the government and also help in the planning and development process. This is something which is lacking and we need to take this as an opportunity today and try to move forward. 
So this is very briefly, this is what I would like to say, that the state should now be thinking along this lines. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you, Dr. Joshi. And uh, uh, Mrs. Samola, as, as an expert in microfinance and being a part of co-founding uh, Basics, what do you think? Uh, do you think this is now really the moment for microfinance to show what it can? Um, I, I think microfinance is critically required at this juncture. Uh, actually, um, to, to, you know, to get us out of the space we are in as far as the micro and macroeconomy of the state is concerned. So I think in the short run, we need microfinance to be able to support those entrepreneurs who are thinking about how to get the organic produce of the, of the state into the consuming centers. Because by the way, the growth in that particular area has been pretty good over this period. Everybody's got very focused on healthy food, etc. So if we could actually uh, find entrepreneurs who are able to procure this produce and you know, provide access to it to the consuming centers, we need to support those entrepreneurs. So that's that's I mean that's one example. There must be multiple other examples, but you know, you wouldn't want to support people who are in, uh, you know, set up new hotels or restaurants at this point of time, because we don't have, as Tanish said, a pick of the existing ones. So you want to look at where the economic opportunity is and try to connect that. So um, the second one is in the medium term. I think there, there is, the, I mean, if we were to really think about it, it's a great opportunity for us to try and provide finance to people too, um, those who have the money and those who can, you know, who have the potential to generate income over a long period of time to build, uh, you know, on their own homes. Uh, so I think a lot of money which is available through government sources on, uh, you know, Prime Minister's Avas, Yojana and things like that can be supported to actually build back uh, some of the homes that people have because a lot of these reverse migrants are back home and they can contribute the labor to this. Um, that's one more example. In the long run, I would go to what uh, Dr. Joshi was saying, which is that I think there's desperate need to train our people in uh, taking our uh, tourism to a higher level. So, um, you know, to provide finance to people to go and get themselves upskilled in terms of whether it's the tourism trade, whether it's guiding, uh, it's doing things with birds. But, you know, how do we equip our people in the long run to be more productive? Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Ramola. Uh, Mr. Tarish Kapoor, is there one more uh, solution which you feel as, as an immediate, uh, uh, you know, something which we all can do, the government can do, or the people or the industry or tourism industry can do to bring back what we've lost at least in this season? I feel one thing. It's very important that our government, our administration should do hand-holding with the people. We should not be criticizing, we should support the people. We should go in a big way in campaigning that come, Uttarakhand is a green zone, come to Uttarakhand, we welcome you. I have not seen a single ad by the government so far. They have just restricted a movement of people to Uttarakhand, but they are not requesting people to please come back. We want you here. Without tourists, we can't run anything. I would like to have guide training program. I would like to open our places for adventure tourism. I would like to open our places for tourism. And I will say that 
come home stay we will provide you everything and we should give them incentive that okay if you come to like i am giving 75% discount to my people 25 i am charging 25% of my user rates come stay with us but when the government makes a campaign that okay you come to uttarakhand we will give you 20% hand holding is very important for government if they do hand holding instead of giving instructions no instructions the instructions should be there for the departments no go and help people uh, the police should be more friendly the administration should be more friendly they should welcome tourists anywhere they are coming the environment i think is what you are basically suggesting our environment is they have literally spoiled the environment because they have not allowed people to come in and i think it should go in a big campaign uh, in the newspaper media or print media that people please come uttarakhand welcome you right. doesn't matter whether you are suffering from covid or no because uh, it's a covid when i say no you see you unnecessarily ask them that have a covid certificate negative report then you come uttarakhand only 1500 people can come why yes. or oh, you all come we welcome you thousands at least but they must not carry covid at least uh, how do you carry you see those who are moving out there i have not seen a single tourist who came to my place without certificate mm-hmm. they are coming yes. they are coming all prepared you see they will right. not like and our transport is uh, i have requested one more thing we have five airports in the state why don't you give it to the public uh, public airports to these private airlines and they should run their services to these places so that people can reach us easily our roads are in bad shape okay. so when when you do all these things yeah. i basically feel that hand holding is very important our we should I'm have more points thank you thank mr you. kapoor i am getting warnings from the management that we have the last two or three minutes and anmol in this since you the same language can you give the one single uh, solution from a grassroots level uh, you know consultant and worker that can really bring back some hope for our communities yeah Uh, like uh, Bhakti ji was saying that uh, amidst a COVID, there is a great opportunity that is coming up. Is people are talking about health foods. People are becoming health conscious. Perhaps they were, but now COVID has made them more health conscious. And if I talk about uh, you know the, uh, over the past four or five months, what we have done under the Jaika project is that we are increasingly working to link farmers with the markets, so that you know we have opened up outlets, we have opened up online portals to get their produce to the markets and give them better prices. Do not bargain with them; give them better prices, the best prices possible. So farmers, uh, this is one way of uh, assisting the farmers. Secondly, microfinance is plays a major role because we have seen in the self-help groups that we have formed there is a great demand. There has been a great demand for microfinance. There is a great demand for loan for people who are you know want to set set up a small micro dairy or. who want to set up a fruit process fruit processing or food processing unit so these are two critical elements i would say that you know markets and uh, microfinance that needs to go hand in hand together now to take the things for thanks thank you but all this must be available like uh, mr pandey said at the at the place where it is really needed there exactly लास्ट में सवाल जी आप बहुत ही सूक्ष्म में एक सोल्यूशन ऐसा बता दें जिससे आपको लगता है कि जिन कम्युनिटीज के साथ आप आप काम कर रहे हैं उनको सहयोग मिल जाए देखिए आर एस टोलिया जी फोरम में बात हो रही है तो उन्हीं के सपनों से आपको समाधान मिलेगा सहकारिता पशुपालन और उद्यान ये तीन सेक्टर ऐसे है अगर इनमें हमने दस भी ईमानदारी से ध्यान दे दिया और जो सप्लाई चेन है कोल्ड स्टोर है और बाजार के साथ काश्तकारों के लिए प्रशिक्षण की व्यवस्था यदि हमने कर दी तो हम जो है आत्मनिर्भर खुद ही बन जाएंगे धन्यवाद लाइक दिस सोच कास्ट ट्यून इन फॉर मोर विद सोच कास्ट एप फ्रॉम द गूगल प्ले स्टोर बहुत बहुत धन्यवाद जी एंड आई लाइक टू हैंड ओवर नाउ दाइक टू मिस्टर आई
Uh, thank you, uh, ji. Very well moderated uh, session. I think there's lots of uh, takeaways from this, uh, but I would just like to close this session by saying that we really need to build back better. The message here today has been that let us work at the grassroots. We have to build back from the grassroots, and the only way we can do it is by having an enabling environment at the grassroots level, whether like Mr. Aswalji has said that there are several opportunities, but you cannot do anything unless there is an ecosystem which is driven also in part by government. And there has to be a system in which uh, we have many microfinance players actually coming in and ensuring that there is uh, the fund that is required to actually start building that is uh, enabled. And this ecosystem can only be built through entrepreneurs who can then um, give livelihoods to others as well. What is important also that has come out is that we need to help build back policies through better data. And that data has to be authentic. And if we do not get that data, then it is very, uh, very difficult to build macro level policies or state level policies and to do the planning for the future. Because uh, as has been put very uh, cogently by uh, uh, Dr. B.K. Joshi, that the most important thing is to be able to get the data and then to have the planning processes also in place. Uh, Bhartiji has made uh, a very good uh, suggestion that in the mm -hmm. long run, we have to build the uh, ecosystem uh, which will be uh, made an, uh, an enabling environment, uh, uh, just not only through the use of good policies, but also through uh, having better transfer of funds from maybe the center or better collections uh, within the state. Uh, because that is of vital importance. So with these words, uh, like I said, many takeaways. Let's build back better right across the mountains. Uh, in, and uh, Dr. Aris Tolia, we do remember him today uh, much more because of the fact that he enabled the formation of the Integrated Mountain Initiative, which integrates all these kinds of ideas across the mountain states. And like I just brought to you a few uh, few uh, you know stories from the ground, and that was just to tell you that there is immense hope through young people who have come back in the form of migrants, but are now uh, managing small businesses of their own, which they have built over the last nine months. Thank you very much, and God bless you all.